It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's the handoff. You know who that's? Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is the first off-season mailbag. I can't believe the 2021 season is over. It's wild. I'm still in 2021 season mode, but I'm really excited for the off-season. A lot of times you would hear the very big deal, the owner, the operator, the reporter, the whole shebang over JetsInsider.com, Chris Nimbley on with me doing these mailbag questions, but Chris realized that a lot of these questions were going to be about the draft. He hasn't watched enough of these players yet, so he felt that he wanted to be able to give his fully invested, very big deal opinion when the time was right. And so I said, okay, let me go get somebody who not only knows college football, but actually researches it literally for a living. So, of course, the queen of Play Like a Jet joins me, Kayla Pace. Kayla, how are you feeling? How's everything going? Pretty good. It's nice to be back on the podcast. It's been a minute. Yeah, for sure. And I know that one of your favorite things to talk about, I wish we could talk about the Jets being the playoffs, but short of that is college football and the NFL draft. And we got a lot of questions in the mailbag and quite a few of them are about the draft. So we'll start with one from Delio R. Manegro. He says, 1A, Neil or Hamilton, 1B, Garrett Wilson. What do you think? Me personally, Neil at number four, great. Hamilton at number four, I wouldn't do it. Hamilton's a special player. I think he has a chance to be somewhere in that honey badger realm, maybe even a little bit better than that. And don't get me wrong, you'd love to have him, but at number four, it just seems like too big of a luxury for a team that has needs all over the place at key premium spots. Evan Neal's a different story because 350-pound man that can move like that and can run and pass block that well you take him every single time. There's no way you pass him up if he makes it to four. Garrett Wilson, very good receiver, and we'll talk about the receivers more because we got a lot of questions about them, but I just don't think he stands out from the pack enough for me to want to pick him at number 10 overall, certainly not at number four overall, but we'll talk about the receivers, Kayla. I don't think any of them is that far ahead of the others. There's like five or six of them that to me are right in the same range, and I would be comfortable with the Jets trading up a little bit to get one at the end of the first round. I'm not so sure how comfortable I would be with them drafting one as high as 10. So I don't know what your thoughts are on what Delio is asking here, Neil or Hamilton and Garrett Wilson, but I'm going to throw it to you now because I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, Scott, I know we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Um, and I think me and you have a pretty similar outlook on the direction that the Jets should go. I kind of feel the same way about Neil over Hamilton. Um, I think that we've already seen the blueprint of what happens when you draft even a really good safety on to a team that has so many holes. Um, the safety isn't going to fix the problem. I think that you're going to be much better off building 
um, up the offensive line because that's to me that's always the move. Build up the offensive line. I think if Neil is there at four, which I don't really necessarily think he would be, but um, I think that if he's there, that's kind of a no-brainer because you're never going to regret projecting your quarterback more. Um, and especially someone like Zach Wilson entering year two. I mean, the more help he's got, the better. And we've seen how the Jets' tackles have been a little prone to injury. Obviously, Becton being at the top of that list. Uh, so I don't think you could really go wrong drafting Neil. Um, obviously, Hamilton, again, like you said, great player, but he's not going to be the piece that helps turn things around. He's just a safety is, like you said, a luxury position. And uh, it's kind of like something you add to a team when you're like almost there, um, to, like bring you over the edge. So I agree with you. Um, and then on the receiver's end, I mean, I would really love to have a receiver. There's an unfortunate pattern in um, the NFL draft where a lot of these receivers start going like after 10 and they go to teams that are like much better than the early round teams. And that's how you end up being so poor in skill positions, being the Jets, the Jaguars, teams like that, where you're always picking at the top too early to take a receiver. And um, a lot of the times there's no receiver, like you said, that separates themselves from the pack like that. And the first receiver that pops into my head as a top 10 pick is Corey Davis. And uh, here he is on the Jets. And I don't think that many people were impressed. So you think about it like that. And I think that maybe a corner would be a better suit at 10. I know we'll probably get into that as we go on, but um, I'm not rushing to take any of these receivers at 10. I would really like to get one in this draft, but a uh, high-impact tight end would probably be higher on my list. Again, not at 10, but if we're going to get a pass catcher, that's what I'd be looking for. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Lawrence Fodor. He says, how about Linderbaum at pick 10 and have a left side of Becton, AVT, and Linderbaum? First of all, let's put this right out there. We know Linderbaum had that injury, so he'd have to check out medically. But assuming he does, it really depends on how the board breaks. I'd have to see who else is available. If they picked him, though, I wouldn't hate it because Linderbaum is an outstanding player. Certainly, the Jets could use somebody on the interior offensive line. 
And on top of that, I just saw a video, Kayla, of Linderbaum pinning Tristan Wirfs in high school, <laughs> which is incredible because Tristan Wirfs is not only a freak athlete, but he was a phenomenal wrestler. There was a coach a long time ago who was an offensive line coach. I wish I could remember who it was. He said, get me a really good heavyweight wrestler and I can turn him into an excellent offensive lineman without him ever having real training in football. And I've always said that that is very true. And if you look at Carlton Hasselrig, who passed away within the last couple of years, that's exactly what happened with him. And he ended up being a pro bowler for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then he had that weird tenure with the Jets. And then he went AWOL. That whole thing was insane. But look up Carlton Hasselrig. You'll see what I'm talking about. He was an all-world college wrestler and ended up becoming a pro bowl offensive lineman in the NFL. So I wouldn't hate the pick of Linderbaum in a vacuum. I just have to know who else was on the board and what the potential trade-down options were, and so on and so forth. But he's certainly a hell of a player, and you could do a lot worse. Yeah, um, I have to agree with you there. I think that if the board breaks a certain way, that's a great pick. Um, but am I going to be heartbroken if he gets away? Not really. I mean, McGovern had a great season this year. I don't know how long that lasts down the line. I don't know if that's, a, like I said, like a long-term solution. But... Um, you know, like I said, always building up the offensive line is going to be a good thing in my book. Um, but because when you can rely on it, there's so much more freedom that you have going forward. So all good pieces on the offensive line, I'm fine with. That's that's cool with me. Um, but the Jets are still a team where there's a lot of holes to fill. And um, I don't think that that should be their top priority by any means. Um they had a guy who played solid this year at that spot. So we'll have, like, like you said, have to see how the board breaks. Um, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Next question comes in from JP Waxer. He says, didn't Salah drop a hint that he was considering tweaks to his scheme this offseason? Could that mean a new defensive coordinator? Yes, he did say that there could be tweaks to his scheme based on what he learned his first year as a head coach. I don't know that that means that Jeff Ulbrich is going to be out of here. I think it probably just means that he's going to tweak his system. I don't know that it means that coaches are going to be replaced. Now, don't get me wrong, certainly possible that if the Jets defense plays this poorly next year, that a change could be made even in season if they have to. But I don't think it's going to happen unless something unforeseen comes about, like Vic Fangio decides he actually wants to come here for some reason. Then maybe Salah would make some sort of bold move. But I doubt that Jeff Ulbrich is going anywhere. Yeah, I don't see Salah blowing anything up staff-wise this early on. I think that he's probably going to take – I mean, it's the same reason why you don't want a, a young quarterback to have a new offensive coordinator year after year. Like, this is a young defense. So many rookies got a lot of time, and they're going to want to have another chance to implement that system and see if there can be growth, like, learning-wise in year two. And, I mean, I would imagine they're going to end up with more defensive rookies that get a chance to go out there and play a lot. Um, I mean, those guys are going to – have to see if they can mesh in. And if the system still is clearly not working after year two, then you'll probably see a change. But Salah brought in his own guys. I mean, he picked his own staff. He's not thinking after one season where they weren't expected to be a winning team in the first place that he's going to get rid of the guys that he picked out himself. 
Next question comes in from Peter J. Normandia. He says, how big of an effect will coaching the Senior Bowl have on the Jets draft process? First time I can remember them being selected to do so. Well, it is the first time that they've been the coaching staff to be picked for the Senior Bowl since the 70s. And the last time that they did, and Andy Vasquez talked about this on the Midweek News and Notes report this past week, it was when the Jets ended up getting Mark Gastineau and Marty Lyons half of the New York Sack Exchange. So they did pretty well in that draft. Shout out to my friend Connie Carberg, who discovered Mark Gastineau, got him invited to the Senior Bowl, and then persuaded the coaching staff and the front office to draft Gastineau in the second round. So as I tell Connie all the time, I would wear that on my chest constantly. I would get that <laughs> tattooed that I was the one that discovered Mark Gastineau and got the Jets to draft him. So obviously there are advantages there, and we've seen this over the years. It's an opportunity for these coaches to get acquainted with some of these players, get a head start on the process, because remember, a lot of these guys are not going to be able to start talking to teams until the combine in Indianapolis, and then you're going to have the workouts and all that. The Jets now will get a feel for how these guys play in games, the way they operate. They get one-on-ones with these players. So it's a real nice advantage, I think, especially for a team that has this many draft picks. And there are a lot of really good players in this senior bowl that the Jets are going to be very intimately acquainted with. And you know, sometimes a coaching staff can have a player in one of these games and really fall in love with them, and it can influence them throughout the process. So I definitely think that it's important. I think it gives the Jets an advantage. And let's be honest, Kayla, the Jets need as many advantages as they can get. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny, too. I did read Connie's book, and I knew about the Gastineau thing, but I did not realize that, that lined up with the Senior Bowl. That's pretty cool. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think that it, it'll have a pretty big impact, to be honest, especially in a year where they're looking for something like specific, like a tight end, like getting to coach like tight ends at the senior bowl is going to make a huge difference because I mean, the tight end position, there's supposed to be a lot of good guys in this draft and I've watched a lot of them and there's plenty of impressive ones, but the chance to see someone actually practicing for a game for an extended like period of time, like a week, I mean, the NFL combine like doesn't really do much. Like those kinds of things are not that tangible, like when you transfer them to the field. So the chance to get like practice reps with these guys makes all the difference in the world. I really do believe that it does. And there's always a couple like gems that are picked out from those senior bowl games and like some of the big moments that happen there. And you can really see somebody's work ethic over a little bit longer span of time than you do in like a, hour-long meeting or a 40-yard dash like those things don't really translate as directly so definitely a good um, chance to check up on a guy's like character to be honest and I know that's what they're looking for in the Jets front office is they want character guys that are going to be like lasting impact guys on the team so that's awesome that they get to spend so much time around them next question comes in from coffee and Jets he says What's your fantasy free agent signing that will 100% not happen? Easy answer for me, J.C. Jackson. He's one of the best corners in the league. He actually just got picked as an all-pro, and he's in the prime of his career, but unfortunately, the Patriots are going to franchise tag him if they don't sign him before free agency. So easy answer there. Would love to get J.C. Jackson. It's not going to happen. 
you know, I haven't combed through the list of free agents as much as I'd like to, but I know the one I'm seeing everywhere is uh, Dalton Schultz, but I think that there's going to be way too many teams in on him. I mean, I'm not going to say 100% chance we don't get him, but that's that's going to be tough, especially if he puts up big numbers in the playoffs. I, I don't know how they'll swing that, but we'll see. Next question comes in from Sean Stalker. He says, right now the draft has three top players and the Jets pick fourth. More likely that another player rises and pushes one of Hutch, KT, or Neal down, or that the Jets spend some capital to move up a spot or two to get one of them. Is there one of the three you would be more apt to trade up for? So just to clarify, the three players that he's talking about are Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher out of Michigan, Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher out of Oregon, and Evan Neal, who we talked about before, who I now call Big Ev. So as I said the other day, if he ends up getting drafted by the Jets, expect to see Big Ev merchandise at our store at tpublic.com. Evan Neal, the <laughs> offensive tackle from Alabama. Those are, at this moment at least, the consensus top three players, mostly because of the positions they play. If you talk to a lot of people, they'll tell you they think Kyle Hamilton's right in there, but because of what Kayla and I said before, the position he plays, scarcity, all that, I'm not sure that he ends up being in the mix with those three. But if there is a player that were to shove one of them down, as Sean just mentioned, I think it probably will be Hamilton, only because it is possible that one of these teams, perhaps somebody like Dan Campbell sitting there with the Lions, talks himself into Kyle Hamilton being a generational talent, decides he has to have him, and maybe that's the guy. Because I'm looking at this, and look, it's early. We'll see how the process plays out. I don't see any of the quarterbacks rising to that level. I do think that this is going to be only the second time in the last 20 years where a quarterback does not go in the top three. I just don't see it happening. There doesn't seem to be enough buzz around these guys. We'll see. Anything can change, but I don't think it's going to go down that way. So what do I think is more likely, that Hamilton pushes one of those guys down or that the Jets trade up to get one of them? That's tough. I think it's pretty close. Do I think the Jets would trade up? I think it's possible. It really depends. The cost is the key here. Let's say Evan Neal goes number one to the Jaguars, and then you've got those two pass rushers sitting there. If Joe Douglas has them pretty close, and he feels like either one of them would be huge for him, maybe he's willing to flip a pick to go up from four to three. When the Bears made that move to get Mitchell Trubisky, they moved up one spot with the 49ers. The cost, I believe, was a third rounder that year, a third rounder the year after, and a fourth rounder that year. So it could be looking at something in that range. Is that something Joe Douglas would be willing to do? Maybe. Depends how much he likes one of these pass rushers. Because remember, and Kayla, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, if he did make a move like that, let's say, just for the sake of argument, he traded both third rounders to move up and get Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau or Evan Neal. He could probably replenish those by trading out of the 10th pick. So if that's the way he wanted to play it, he could. I don't know that he's going to, but I think he's going to sit there at number four and see how the board plays out, and then he'll make his decision. But I would guess, just at this moment, that he probably will have those three in some order, one, two, and three on his board. I wouldn't be surprised at all, by the way, if Evan Neal ends up being number one, because remember, Joe Douglas is a big offensive line guy. Evan Neal, the best offensive lineman in this draft, so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Evan Neal at the top of their board when the process plays out. But I think it could happen. Listen, he had a deal in place 
to go up and get Makai Becton or Jedrick Wills at number nine if he needed to. Turns out that he didn't because one of them fell to him at 11. He obviously traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker, so he's not afraid to get aggressive if there's a player he really wants. So it could happen. I'm not sure which scenario is more likely. I think they're both probably right around the same. Yeah, so I think I'm going to start at the tail end of that question. Um, You mentioned the whole uh, Bears trading up for Mitchell Trubisky. I think the key difference in this situation is that defensive end is a position that everybody wants to beef up, and I don't think the San Francisco 49ers had any real interest in drafting Trubisky as a quarterback. So I think maybe the price tag for that pick kind of goes up when it's such a high-demand position that, like, a lot of teams really need and especially now like the way the nfl is trending like everyone wants that top defensive end like that's never a position that everyone's kind of like overlooking that's certainly not going to be the case so i think that the price tag for that would be a bit higher um that being said i do think it's also much more likely that hamilton falls to four or that hamilton pushes some one of those top three down to four um, than it is for the Jets to trade up. I mean, obviously, yes, like you said, we've seen Joe Douglas be aggressive. Um, He makes his moves when he sees the players that he wants. Um, I just think in this scenario, I mean, the Jets aren't, in my opinion, going to trade up for Neal. I mean, if he falls to them, cool. But I think it would be much more likely that if it's a defensive end that that Joe Douglas would be willing to move. Um, I still just think that there will be plenty on the board at four to – As I've said several times now, Jets still have a lot of holes. So there's a lot of things to fill. Um, I think that they'll have plenty of good options at four that would be worthy of that pick. Uh, But like you said, it all really depends. And that's that's a hard thing to do at this point in the year is to analyze like these draft options when free agency hasn't happened yet. Because this whole thing could be flipped on its head depending on what their strategy is then. So... um, But I do see the potential in getting one of those young, dominant defensive ends on the team, especially given the like the whole plan of the defense. I mean, the defensive line is obviously the focal point of Salah's defense. I don't think that'll be changed in any of the tweaks he's planning on making. But um, I do think that that would be the position to trade for. And it's funny, too, going back to that um, Bears 49ers example, Bears took Trubisky. And the 49ers took Solomon Thomas at defensive end. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting how that kind of plays up at the plays out at the top. But I mean, I also wouldn't entirely rule out a quarterback being drafted early. I know it doesn't look likely with this class, but let's not forget that Daniel Jones was drafted at six overall. So there's always going to be somebody out there willing to take that uh, ridiculous risk for uh, not much return. We'll see how it goes. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll have part two for you tomorrow. In the meantime, follow Kayla on Twitter at KP underscore on underscore TV. Make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there taking a look at Dalton Schultz, who could be a Jets target, free agency at tight end. Speaking of tight end, he's got a great video up there of Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State, and what he thinks McBride could do for the Jets offense if the Jets were to draft him. He's got a video up reviewing Zach Wilson's most recent performance against the Buffalo Bills and breaking down how he went from being a turnover-prone quarterback 
to a turnover-free quarterback. That's all on our YouTube channel right now, so check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tee And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. For the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital at playlikeajet.com.